were talking this morning about not just encountering the king, but actually the fact that we are ruling and reigning with him. We are seated with him in heavenly places. And I was so concerned that somebody might feel like, oh, you know, that's in our future. We're not there right now. And and I really felt strongly that the Lord led me to the book of Ephesians because I want to focus this morning on the fact that we are seated with him in heavenly places now. This not only encounter, but lifestyle, this um, privilege that we have of being with Jesus as part of the royal family, as that peculiar treasure, it says in the King James, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, chosen and set apart by God, it starts now. And I don't want you to leave this retreat. I don't want you to go back to life feeling like, oh, you know, that was a mountaintop experience and I'm so excited that I had it and I am not going to forget. I wrote it down in my journal, da-da-da-da-da, about what happened and just walk away and it changes nothing. Like I said last night, I hope that none of you are, are ever the same again. And I hope that this is, this is an um, abstract lesson, if you will, of how every single time you come into the presence of the Lord. Every time you're sitting under the word, that can be the case. You don't have to store it up in your memory. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind you. That's his job. The, Jesus said that. That's what he would do. So you can say to God, Lord, I feel like this is something I need. Help me remember. Holy Spirit, remind me this. Remind me this in this situation or this situation or when I need it and I forgot that I need it. And he will be faithful to do that. You have not because you ask not. And, and ladies, I want you to be bold when you come before God, because that's what he said you should do. He said you should come before him with boldness, declaring what your need is. And there's nowhere that it says, well, you might get what you need. It says you will get grace and you will get mercy in your time of need. So he wants you to do that. And he wants it to become a lifestyle, a, a habit that you have. And we talked last night about, about just the presence of God and how he wants to saturate our lives and just come upon us and fill us. Like I used that example of the cup just overflowing because the, the spirit just keeps coming. We're full, but it just keeps coming. Ladies, please, if you remember nothing else, never forget this. God is never out of what you need. Never. He has a limitless, abundant, overflowing supply of every single thing that you will ever need. And let's face it, we need grace, we need mercy, we need patience, we need more ability to sit and listen. I, you know, my son is uh, special needs, and he's, he's a little bit um, like how with Asperger's, you know, they can tell you the same thing 20 times. And, and when I first married my husband, I, I hate to tell you this, but I'm just being honest and letting you know, there were days that I went and hid in my room from him because he was driving me crazy. 
literally in the same hour, he had told me the same thing a thousand times. And he just wanted to talk to me. And, and I was like, I ran and I hid in my room and I was in my room just praying, oh my gosh, Lord, this kid is so sweet. And he, you know, he just, want, but I'm so frustrated with myself right now. I, I feel like I have nothing. And I was you just pouring my heart out to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever done that. Sometimes I go in the bathroom and do it. But this particular time I was in my bedroom and I was pouring my heart out to the Lord, just pouring my heart out, feeling so guilty. And I hear this. And I'm like, and I waited for a couple of minutes, hoping he would just go away. And, and I was like, yes, honey, trying in my nicest voice. But, you know, inside I was frustrated. And he goes, mom. And I go, yes. And he goes, I just want to tell you that I love you. Aww. And it's like a knife goes in your heart, you know, because here I am frustrated with him for nothing. I mean, literally nothing. But you know what? Over and over again, God has shown me that he has grace for me in those moments. And he can help me to help him to feel heard. You know, when, when my other daughter, when she was really young, she had trouble expressing herself and speaking. And so when she would go to her birth mom's house, they would ignore her because her voice was annoying and she would just get louder and louder and louder. And she was in the car and I was driving. And if you've ever driven on a California freeway, you'll appreciate this. I was like, oh, you know, there's traffic everywhere. And I, I just started praying, Lord, help me. You know, what can I do? I don't want to shut her out. Like she's just struggled all weekend. And I mean, she was little, like maybe two or three. And, and I just reached over with my hand and I put my hand on her cheek because I heard somewhere that that's the most intimate place of touch. It, it, it communicates love instantly. And I touched her and I said, I'm right here, honey, and I hear you. And I want to hear you. You don't have to shout. I'm right here. And literally as my hand was on her cheek, I could just feel her whole body go, she just needed to be loved. She just needed to be loved. And, and I say that, I know that's like a weird example to start with, but I want you to know God has what you need. He knows your situation. He knows what you are wrestling with. I so appreciated what you shared last night, Ruthie, about, you know, just being in your prayer closet. Because we all feel like that, don't we? Like we just need off. We need a break. We need to give up. But I want to challenge you to go home from this retreat confident that God has what you need. And he's going to meet you in that moment if you'll give him the chance, if you'll hold him to his word. And if you need a scripture to stand on, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. He said he's a merciful and faithful high priest. And he wants us to come boldly into his throne room and ask for grace in time of need. And so I just want to challenge you to go home and, and remember that and do that. Okay, let's open our Bibles because we are going to park this morning in Ephesians chapter 1. I absolutely love this part of scripture. And we're going to go a little slow and I'm going to stop you and, and kind of 
um, do what I love to do, which is just pull apart each word because I want you to see how important this being seated with Christ is. When you go home today, especially, I'm sure the enemy's going to try to make it absolute chaos. So you walk in the door and everybody's going to need you and be screaming and messy and, and, and you're, you're, Flesh might want to go, oh my gosh, can't you keep the house clean for one weekend while I'm gone? Don't do it. Resist, sisters. <laughs> and Satan will flee from you. <laughs> but instead, I want you to just go in knowing that you're clothed in the very righteousness of Christ, that that full armor of God is on you. Pray it through before you get out of your car and just each item, put it on in the spirit. Let Jesus just fully clothe you in the armor so that you can walk through the door ready and go in there knowing that you're his ambassador and you get to, not got to, get to show your family. Maybe with words if you need to use them, but show your family that they too have been chosen by God, that you're a royal family, okay? And I hope that what you see about being seated when you might feel like you want to scream and run away, that you don't have to because right in that moment, at the exact moment you feel like you want to get out of there, you can just enter into the heavenlies with Jesus in the spirit, that part of you that's very much alive. We established that already last night. You can escape in a whole new way while you're right there and present. Okay, we're going to look starting in verse 3. And I, I want to just read from the beginning. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. The word all there means all. Nothing is excluded. Every spiritual blessing. What are you praying for right now that you would have in your life? What Christian grace or what blessing are you looking for? It's yours. That's what this says. He's already blessed you with it. It is past tense. It doesn't say blessing that it's happening right now. He's already done it. It is finished, just like the work on the cross. Because God is outside of time, he would say to you and to me today, I got that. I'm already working that out in your life, and I'm so glad that you're ready to receive it. Ladies, so often the reason that we don't feel that change has taken place is because we've never really recognized that we have it. Have you ever cleaned your, you know, drawer in the kitchen and realized you have that kitchen tool you've been wanting from Pampered Chef? You know what I'm saying? It's like all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I already have that. I can't believe I haven't been using it, right? And, and here's the thing, because we just read that he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, already blessed us from this day forward. You don't have to go before God and plead with him as if 
you're you're begging someone and trying to convince them and win them over so you'll get what you need. You're going before him saying, God, I know you said in your word that I already have this, but I can't feel it working in my life. What's going on? Why can't I see it? Why do I keep losing patience or whatever it is? Why, Lord, show me and you will open a whole new dimension. Remember we said that last night of your relationship with God because you will start to see what is hindering you from having that. Jesus said a frightening thing to the disciples at one time. If you can remember when he was trying to talk to them about the future and explain that he was going to be crucified, there were a couple times that Jesus said to them, or it's written in our Bibles, that he had many things to tell them. But then it'll say something like, but they weren't able to receive them, or their minds were darkened. So many different things. But then there's these beautiful other places where we read, he opens our eyes. He gives us understanding like the road to Emmaus, remember? They were truths that had been there in the Bible forever. But all of a sudden, because the Holy Spirit was present, because Jesus was sharing it and their eyes were just open and they could see. So sometimes, rather than just feeling like we need to plead with God and beg him, we just need to say, Lord, open my eyes. Change me so that I can start walking in this because I realize you've given it to me, but God, I... I'm not practically appropriating it. If I'm the one who's in the way or it was my lack of understanding, do whatever you need to do in me. That's what he's waiting for, okay? Verse 4 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We are the perfected ones. We are in heavenly places, like it said. And I, I didn't touch on this, but I just need to before we go on. Think about how heaven is the place that's free from sin, that's free from all of the junk, right? There's no effect. There's no hindrance. There's no roadblocks. There's nothing in heaven that can keep you from understanding all of those blessings. And that's why it says he's already blessed us and he's done the kind of blessings that we're going to feel when we're in heavenly places. God wants you to understand it's no holds barred, okay? It's the perfected, unhindered, unobstructed perfection that he's given us. Do you see how here in verse 4 we have our word again? We're chosen. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And I mentioned this last night, but I just have to say it again. The most important thing that Jesus did before he created the world and made light and made animals and saw everything and said that it was good was before he did any of that, he picked you. You were the most important thing to him. Why would he do it first if it wasn't most important to him? And when the devil lies to you and you start feeling condemned and you get into that place where you feel 
least and last and forgotten. Just say, would you, Lord, thank you that you chose me first before you made anything or did anything before the foundation of the world. And he says that we would be before him holy. And I don't know if you've ever done a word study on some of these things, but I encourage you to do that in your quiet time. Take the next couple months and just say, Lord, I want you to teach me. And pick what's important to you. Don't pick the things I say. Pick what's important to you. Find out what the word holy means. It used to scare me, the word holy. You know, growing up Catholic and denominational, I had all these. That's not what it means. You are holy, meaning there's not any blemish, there's not any sin, there's nothing marring you. You're perfect in the eyes of God. When it says that you're the saints of God, it means you're the holy one, the hagios. And that word, you'll see it, it's what gets translated holy and holy ones, other places in the Bible. Called out, set apart exclusively for God's use. God chose you and he set you aside and he said, this one, this one, I want to be before me in love. And this is agape love, his perfect love. He chose you and made you holy and designated. Satan knows it. And that's why he works so doggone hard to, feel, to make us feel like it's not true. He knows it. In the spirit, if we could pull back our, our veil and see things as they are, if we could see him as he is and see that we are so much like him, we would understand why he's so scared of us. Why he's so scared of you. Because God chose you. You're so important in the eyes of the Lord. And he says that we are without blame. This is an amazing word study as well. Amazing word study, but I'm just going to tell you this much about it. Blameless means there is nothing that can be held account against you. Nothing. Not past, not present, not future. And this frightens people in Africa when I tell them this, but it's 100% true doctrinally. You can check me out on it. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins past, present, and future. Would you agree with that? You've heard people say it over and over again. But do you live like that? Do you really understand that that sin that's plaguing you and troubling you and, and, and making you feel like you're not worthy to even sit in the sanctuary some weekends, God doesn't hold it on your account. He paid for it. He redeemed you from it. And we're going to talk about redemption in a couple minutes. You are blameless in the eyes of God. Blameless. 
And I want you to add that word to your vocabulary because I'm telling you, spiritually, you will be able to start to do damage. Learn to pray the word. Ask God for those swords for you, but learn to start praying the word and start saying, whether you feel like it or not, Lord, thank you that I am before you without blame. Without blame. Chosen in love. I, I, I could talk about each one of these words forever, but I'm not going to because I really want to get through this. It says in verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Predestined us. And I went and looked this word up because I wanted to be 100% sure that I was putting no exaggeration because I know I can sound so passionate about it because I feel so passionate that you might think, oh, she's stretching that a bit. I'm not. I looked it up and you can check me out. God decreed from eternity, from eternity past, past, present, future, he, be, he decreed it that you would be his daughter, the daughter of a king. And I, I was so taken by that, I even looked up the word, why does it say decreed? He decreed it? So I went and looked up that word decreed, and you know what it says of decree? A formal, sorry, a formal or authoritative order, especially one who has behind him the full force of the law. Do you think Jesus has the full force of the law behind him? He predestined you from eternity to adoption. You are the child of Jesus according to the good pleasure of his will. He was excited about it. You know, so often I felt, and I, I'm just confessing to you how I feel. Maybe this is not you, but I felt like, I'm sorry, Lord, that you had to pick me. Because I want to be better for him, you know? It's not that I'm just trying to be self-condemning. I feel sorry for God that he had to pick me. Like he got stuck with me, you know? Has anyone else ever felt like that, maybe? This verse tells us, according to the good pleasure of his own will, he chose you and he chose me. And you know, Romans tells us that, that we're adopted and that God put the spirit inside of us so that we could cry, Abba, that, that word that only a child who feels so close to the father would dare use. That's the, the relationship that he desires you to have. And I love that the, the theme of this retreat has been about being crowned and about how, you know, we saw that beautiful verse in Isaiah that we're um, a, a royal diadem in the hands of our God, that the scepter of righteousness has been put out for us, just like you would expect to see in a royal situation. You were predestined, decreed by God to be his daughter, 
his royal one, his chosen one. Look what it says in in, uh, the next verse. It says, to the praise, in verse 6 actually, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think God's having a party (laughs) about this. He is so excited about the fact that you are adopted and the whole world knows it. There was an old song in the world, and I can't even remember which song it was, but um, I remember having the feeling as I just heard the lyrics in the store one day, you know what, that's going to be like what it's like when Jesus comes. Think of the clouds rolling up. And creation, it says every eye's going to see it. Every, everybody's going to know what's happening. All of a sudden, those who don't know Jesus are looking at the sky thinking, what the heck is going on? And, and as he touches down and the Mount of Olives splits into two, the sky's rolled up like a garment. He comes down with flashes of lightning, this incredible glory. And he says, I came for you. Can you imagine what you're going to feel like in that moment when every eye sees and thinks, I wish I was her? And every woman at some time has wished they were some other woman and, and never felt like they were the center or the one that was cherished so much, quite enough. In that moment, it's going to be gone forever to the praise of the glory of his grace. And I I know you probably know what grace means, you know, his unmerited favor. But set in your mind the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is us not getting the judgment that we deserve. Grace is a whole nother ballgame. Grace is that not only that we didn't get the judgment that we don't deserve, but God has a few jewels to put in our crown and and bestow on our head. Not only are we not getting hell, not only are we not getting the judgment that we deserve, we're going to be lavished. God is extravagant, ladies, in everything he does. And he's going to lavish you and he's going to lavish me with love and praise. It says he's going to beautify us. He's going to give us these garments of righteousness. He's going to clothe us with his steadfast love. He has riches and wealth and beauty for us that we're never going to believe. And I love that it says this, to the praise and the glory of his grace. It says like this party's going on and God's super excited about it. And then it says, we're in, in the King James, we're in. And this word is just a little preposition, but I looked it up because I thought, you know, if God said that not one jot, not one tittle is going to pass away, that every word in there is important and there's emphasis for a reason, I want to know what that reason is because we're talking about this God that we're so important. So what does that mean? Where in right here is a primary preposition that denotes a fixed position and by implication it note 
it it makes note of the fact that this is something extremely important. It's like God saying, wherein you're accepted in the beloved and said, flashing lights, side note, in the midst of this party when all this craziness is going on, I want you to know you're accepted in the beloved. You're not just my daughter. You're not just adopted into my family. You are of such importance to me, and I want everybody to know that you're accepted, not rejected like so many of us feel on a regular basis. You know, nobody at work likes us, and we can't, like I told you, I can't seem to make a friend to save my life sometimes, and, and we spend so much of our existence feeling rejected. You see why the enemy works so hard? To make us feel these things? Because we're not. We're accepted in the beloved. Uh, next verse. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Wow. In him, in the one that we just read is the beloved in that one, our Savior, our King, our friend, our rescuer, our knight in shining armor. In him we have redemption. Redemption, we were released from the effect. The ransom was paid. Remember I said last night when he said, it's finished. It's finished. His, crown, his cross brought you and me a crown and a ring because we're the bride and a family. We felt so rejected, but we're so accepted. His crown brought us so many things. Through his blood, his blood, something that should be so gruesome to us, is so precious, isn't it? Every drop. So precious. It's finished. Which he made, this grace, the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Abound. I love that word. I love how it says in Romans where sin abounded, grace abounded that much more. Where you and I struggle, where we feel like I just can't take one more step. He abounds all around us. He's trying from within us to cause that river of living water to start springing forth. And we just don't have it. We feel dry as a bone. We see nothing, nothing. And that's when somebody just shows up out of nowhere. Some solution comes. I'll tell you a story. I was in the midst of a really, really difficult situation and and my my little ones were under threat and if any of you have had your little ones be under threat it's a horrible feeling I mean literally under threat 
And I was fearful, and I'm not a fearful person at all, but I was so fearful. I just had this moment where I felt like, that's it. They're going to be ripped out of my hands. And, you know, my mind just started racing. Have you ever had that happen where fear just grips you and it takes over? And it was the middle of the day. It was like a Thursday or Friday. And this fear was just taking over. And all of a sudden, this was before cell phones or anything, but all of a sudden my phone rang. And I picked up the phone and I was a little bit shaky because I was thinking this could be it, you know. And I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And this unfamiliar voice says to me, Vicki? And I said, yeah. And she said, hi, this is Linda. Do you remember me? I'm from Tuesday Night Bible Study. And I go, oh, hi. And she goes, I just need to tell you that I called you because the Lord told me to call you, and I'm supposed to read you Psalm 91. <laughs> and as I was weeping, she was reading me Psalm 91. And boy, let me tell you, that fear went right out the window. To this day, I have no idea how that girl got my phone number. She wasn't someone that would say she was my friend. We knew each other because we went to the same Tuesday night Bible study. And we had a few mutual friends, but I have no idea how she got my phone number. It was unlisted. And she was just at work in the middle of the day. And the Lord told her. And I gathered the kids together and we prayed because I just screamed. And they could obviously see how scared I was and told them, Jesus is in control. And I read all the scriptures to them. It was such a touching moment. He abounds in your life. And when you have that breaking point, that moment next, would you just remember that? Would you just pray that the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind the word abound, that grace is going to abound, and that he's going to lavish something on you, and that that spirit inside of you is willing to well up and bring a gushing torrent. That's what the word literally means in John chapter 7, a torrent of living water, if you'll let him, a torrent Wisdom. This is the wisdom that I told you about, the kind of understanding of exactly what to do with the unique and specific information that relates to your situation. He is going to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I wish I had looked up prudence so I could tell you exactly the meaning but you can get it from the just of this, that there's nothing, nothing that you possibly could need that he isn't going to give. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Isn't that funny? When I read that, I'm like, God, it's a mystery in that it's so amazing and it's so huge and it's so all-encompassing your will, but it's not a mystery that we don't know. The Lord says in, in Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He wants to tell you his secrets. 
Because that's what you do with your most intimate friends, isn't it? Remember how Jesus said, I'm not calling you guys servants. I'm calling you friends. In John 15. And we're reading right here, we're more than friends, you guys. We're his family. I have three brothers, all of them younger than me, and and they're mine, my brothers. And they're knuckleheads lots of times. But, boy, don't anyone else call them knuckleheads? Because I'm going to defend them. They're my brothers. The king of the universe is your brother. The supreme one, that king we encountered on the first session. He's in your camp. He's for you. I, I just get overwhelmed when I think about this. The good pleasure of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Because <laughs> is there anybody better he could have purposed it in? Is there anything written there that would make you feel more confident? It's like how God says, you know, because there's nothing greater than me, I swore by myself. Here he's saying, because there's nothing greater than me, I want you to know it's, it's my good pleasure. It, it, it's me. There's no mystery about this. You are the accepted one. You are the chosen one. You are my good pleasure. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. On earth in him is the same as being in heaven. That's what this session is about. That's how you can become more than a conqueror. That's how you can realize your right, your destiny, your inheritance. I don't know if anybody got a chance yet to look at Psalm 149 and look at Isaiah 54. No weapon formed against you will prosper. This is the heritage of the saints of the Lord. Isaiah 54 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible because Jesus has always been my husband, my everything. I wear a ring on my right hand that says Jesus to remind me. He is your everything. He is for you. And in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, when that last soul gets saved, when we're raptured, in the fullness of time, everything's going to be made right. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's just pregnant with meaning, but really it's just a repetition of what we've already said, isn't it? This is our inheritance. God stated it a thousand ways because he wants to make sure that no matter how you understand best, you get this. 
It is your inheritance. We have obtained all of these blessings. We are accepted. We are predestined. We are adopted. We are his. Verse 12, that we who first trusted Christ should be to the praise of his glory. There's that phrase again. And my, my take on that, and this is just my opinion, this is not something I can back up, is that he wants us to join his party to the praise of his glory. He wants us to enter into that place where we can rejoice in what he's done in us, where we can get our eyes off of the temporal. One of my life scriptures is in Colossians chapter two, verse chapter three, sorry, verse two. And it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on earth, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? Set your affection. Let what is important to you, the things that get you stirred up, the, the passion that fires your soul, set all of it above where you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Really, he could say, set it on Jesus, and it'd be the same thing. Just look next to you. You don't even have to look up because you're already there. And let him have your whole heart. Because here's the thing. Remember I said, we can't change our mind. I mean our heart, but we can change our mind. The Bible says out of the abundance of the mouth, right? The, 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 what's in the heart is revealed. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart is revealed. So if our mind is fixed on God, literally, continually, if, our mind, if we discipline ourselves and fix our minds on God, pretty soon it'll be because it's the overflow of our hearts, of our hearts. Isn't that awesome? It'll be because it's the overflow of your heart. All right. I have just a couple minutes. They're signaling me from behind, but I want to read you this verse. Um, I was hoping that we could get all the way through. It's not that important that we go all the way through. Read all the way through those verses, but I want you to also read all the way over into chapter 3. I wasn't planning on going that far, so you don't have to worry. I wasn't going to keep you here forever. But where Paul breaks into that famous scripture that you know, and he says, for this reason I bow my knees that you might know what is the length and breadth and depth and width and height of what? The love of God. And the reason I wanted to end there is because really, sisters, ladies, I said it the other night, God is love. And there is no chance that you or I could be in any way not edified by studying that love of God. And I want to encourage you to make love your aim, like Paul says, to covet 
that love that overflows because it's from the Lord himself. Because the more love you have, the more Jesus you have. The more love that's in you, the more love that comes from you. The more love that's in you, the more you'll be like Jesus. And I know that's what you want. He seated you in heavenly places. He gave you this inheritance. He adopted you into his family, all of it, because you're royal. And that love is in you. He baptized you with it. He indwells you with it. And he wants to constantly, daily, through a thousand times a day if you need it, fill you with that love afresh. So I want you to bow your heads with me. And I just want to ask him before we go, Lord, I am overwhelmed at your goodness, and I hope my sisters are too. Thank you for seating us with you in heavenly places. Thank you that you're coming for us. But Lord, I just pray for each of us that you would baptize us afresh in your love. I pray that you would just pour that love out upon each one of these women like a healing oil, like the oil you used to use when you anointed the priests. You said we're a holy priesthood and a royal people. The same way you would have anointed Aaron or Moses, God, would you just anoint us right now with your love? And would it be, Lord, just so fragrant and so strong and so life-changing that that love not only washes over us and we carry its smell and scent, but, Lord, that it just would penetrate into every fiber of our being so that when we go home and our husbands see us and our kids see us and our neighbors see us, they see instantly something different. Lord, the, the word tells us that the people could just look at the disciples and see that they had spent time with Jesus. They knew it wasn't in them, but they recognized that it was just like Jesus. And I pray for each one of my sisters that this baptism of love would radically transform them. I pray the love would just give them grace whatever they face when they go to their homes. That the promises and the word and the encouragement, Lord, would just carry them through their first trials and through really all their trials from here on out. Lord, we're daughters of the King. We're chosen. And I pray that that legacy, that destiny, that privilege, Lord, would spur us on to love and good works like nothing ever has before. I pray that you would use us, Lord, to change the world we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.